interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Good Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Stu Kearns, your host. Glad to have you along. Whoa, what a week. Uh, Snowmageddon finally hit. You know, it's it's like the boy who cried wolf. You just think it's never going to really happen. They keep saying, well, maybe we'll get four inches, and then we get like ten inches or whatever it was at your place. Uh, but, hey, we need the moisture. I am so grateful for it. Hope you enjoyed your snow day, and I hope that with the improved weather this weekend, you're having a good time. Uh, Husker baseball is beginning on the road there down in San Diego. Uh, don't always remember, tune in, 1400, right here, and uh, listen to those Huskers. Uh, let's root them on on the radio, and by golly, in March when they get here, I will be, um, I'll be in the stadium. You can look for me. I'll be wearing red. Uh, that was a joke. Uh, it is uh, a pleasure to have with me in studio today a friend of mine and an expert in a, in a certain area here, uh, John Peterson. John, good to have you here today. Yeah, good to be here, Stu. Yeah. There, uh, we were talking, and uh, one of the things that I actually talked with the, the sheriff about before uh, I have a little bit of an interest in uh, this new uh, status of gaming and uh, casinos and so forth. One of the reasons is because one of them go- went, is, is going and expanding just right down the road from me on the uh, southwest side of town. And uh, so uh, I, I, you know, I was asking the sheriff, you know, well, what do you know about uh, these kind of things? Do you expect trouble? And he just seemed to, you know, not think that things were going to be too bad. And then I remembered, I have this friend named John who you used to be, was it for 20 years? Right, I was in the uh, gaming business, both state and federal, for 20 years. Yes, and the exact title, I'll say it once, and then I'm just going to say gaming director or something like that from here on out, but you were the director of enforcement for the National Indian Gaming Commission. That's correct. That was uh, three years in Washington, D.C. Prior to that, I was a regional director in St. Paul for a nine-state region, and then before that, I was a state officer, law enforcement officer with South Dakota working Deadwood and then five years working Indian gaming with the state of South Dakota. Yeah. there. Um, so we're going to get into all of that and uh, and you're going to help me unpack, well, exactly what are the current changes and what's going on and the status of gaming. But first, but first, we have to get to know the guests just a little bit. And I know you live here now, but uh, where did you grow up, John? I grew up... Um, like I said, one of your Sunday school classes, about <laughs> twenty miles from Penn State University in Pennsylvania. Ooh. Were you? Did you? Were you kind of a Nittany, Nittany Lion fan back then, or not? No, I was not. Oh, <laughs> did you root for anyone back in those days? No. Okay, fair enough. The uh, by the way, the Kearns clan hails from Pennsylvania. We were part of the Pennsylvania Dutch uh, from Bucks County, and then uh, moving. Uh, you're from western Pennsylvania, though, right? I was from central Pennsylvania, okay, up central. in the coal mining area, up in the hills. Gotcha. And how did you now? How did you transition into federal work like this? Originally, I went into uh, the Air Force about 45 days after graduating from high school. I spent 20 years in the Air Force, spent been all over the uh, U.S., nothing west of South Dakota, and um, to the East Coast. I worked law enforcement, I worked nuclear security, mm. and I was a special agent with the Air Force Office of Special Investigation mm. uh, in the Air Force, mm. uh, plus an Air Force instructor at the police academy. 
Oh boy. Uh, okay, nuclear security. I always have to say that carefully because I have this tendency to say nuclear. No, nu nuclear. That's right. Something like that. Something like that. That's uh, I say it. I say it bad sometimes. Um, okay, this is a little tangent here, but uh, with all this, in the, the the balloon that went through and was finally shot out of the air, the Chinese uh, surveillance balloon, or the, there was talk, and I don't know, you know, they're not telling us much, but there was talk about it surveilling some nuclear sites. Uh, was there much that you could tell from uh, from forty thousand feet? I, well, I guess they got great cameras, but is that was that a part of your concern back in the day? Back in the day, I was at Ellsworth Air Force Base in Rapid City, South Dakota. I started out guarding B-52s. Mm. At that time in uh, seven, I'm sorry, 67, 68, uh, we had uh, nuclear weapons on all of them, so that somebody mm. had to guard them. Mm. Uh, I came back. I left, went into many places in between. We came back in 1984. Mm-hmm. And I worked the missile field. We mm. had 150 minute man missiles that were on alert. Wow. Uh, from what I understand, looking at the internet, there are still nuclear silos for the web, for the missiles in Montana, North Dakota, possibly Wyoming. So they're still out there. They're still and they would there. be able to see, from what I understand, they'd be able to see the silos. Gotcha. So they're, yeah, it, it's just such an odd situation, but... You wonder what what's of interest in Montana, and that's pretty probably the answer, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're, uh, but eventually, then the last uh, part of your career wound into how did you find your way into this being the director of enforcement for uh, uh, gaming? Okay. In in 1989, I retired from the Air Force. Uh, 1990, I was hired by the South Dakota Commission on Gaming as a state law enforcement officer. And I work in Deadwood. Mm. I don't know if you've ever been to Deadwood or not. Uh, but I'm real close. Okay. <laughs> but I was in Deadwood for two and a half years, and then they were looking for somebody to go to Pier, the state capital, and work Indian gaming. So mm. I transferred, went there for five years. I was hired by the federal government mm. to work with the National Indian Gaming Commission as a uh, you know, enforce. I mean, uh, an investigator. And I uh, went to the Twin Cities for 11 and a half years, and uh, my office was in St. Paul. Mm. So after 11 and a half years, one of the directors of enforcement uh, quit, and uh, I was selected and moved to Washington, D.C., where I worked for uh, NIGC, which is National Indian Gaming Commission. And how many years were you in D.C.? I was in D.C. for three years. Yeah. But you're, uh, since it was a national job, though, that I'm assuming that involves some travel. Right. I traveled um, within the nine states for 11 and a half years and also back and forth from um, St. Paul, D.C., over out to the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And um, let me get my thoughts together. I um, was responsible, like I said, for... Uh, nine states, and that included $4 billion in gross gaming revenue. Wow. Uh, when I was selected to be the director, uh, I was moved to D.C., and when I retired in 19, I'm sorry, 2012, uh, the gross gaming revenue that my agency walked over, my division watched over, was uh, $26 billion industry. Wow. So I had uh, nine regional offices, 36 people to work enforcement. And uh, it was all the way from the East Coast to the West Coast to the North to the South. Mm. 
Wow. $26 billion with a B. With a B. And right now, in, 19, in 2021, it is $39 billion. Wow. And, of course, that's all gross. There's yeah. nothing come off the top then. Gotcha. Gotcha. Wow. I mean, that's gross, not net. That's gross. Wow. Uh, that is a lot. That's a lot, of, a lot of cash out there. Yes, it is. The, uh, and one last piece of the story, then. You you wound your way back here to Lincoln, and uh, I've known you for, I don't know how many years now, but a good chunk of years. We'll, in March, we'll be here 11 years. I think I've been going to Zion for about 10. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what, brought, uh, what actually brought you back here, then? My wife Betty has followed followed me around for many many years. Uh, we were in I met her in uh, San Antonio, Texas. She was an Air Force nurse, and I was an Air Force cop. Uh, from there, we went to the Philippines for three years, then we came back to Rapid City, and then I was hired. And she's followed me all around. We went to Pier, then we went to the Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. And her family is from Nebraska, and the majority of them live in Lincoln. Mm. So we got to come back, and she got to spend a lot of time with her mother before her mother passed about three years ago. Mm. And uh, and she's got a sister. She has a sister, uh, Brenda, and she has a brother, Bruce. Bruce was a firefighter for uh, over, probably close to 30 years. He's a captain. Brenda's a um, library manager at Gear. Mm. And uh, her mother, like I said, passed away. She has a sister in Norfolk. And one in uh, Rap- Rapid City. That's awesome. So not too far from... Not too far. Yeah, a day's drive or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to take our first break. When we come back then, I want to dig into some of your expertise here and and uh, talk about uh, not only what the national work that you did, but also specifically some of the stuff that's uh, that's happening here in Nebraska. I assume since you were national, you I don't know, you must have touched base some with what was happening in each of the each of the spots. That's correct. We did, yeah. Absolutely. All right. We'll take a little break here. We'll be right back talking with John Peterson. He's the director, uh, the former director of enforcement for the National Indian Gaming Commission. And we're just going to learn. I'm going to learn a lot today. And uh, so, but John's not only uh, knowledgeable, he's actually pretty fun. So uh, we're going to have a good time together. I hope you're ready. Freshen up the coffee. It's a friendly fire morning here on 1499.3 KLIN. Keeping the topics lively. The conversation civil. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kurtz on the Voice of Lincoln, fourteen hundred and ninety-nine-three KLIN. We are back. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Uh, talking today with uh, John Peterson. Uh, he was uh, the Na- uh, director of enforcement for the National Indian Gaming Commission. And I'm going to start with a really, really basic question, and that is the uh, so the the whole gaming commission. Okay, I, I need a definition of terminology because, in like, for example, in Nebraska, you know, we got Keno, we got Bingo, we have other things, which I think technically seem to be in the realm of gambling. But, but in particular, uh, what is it that crosses the line into now an area which the federal government has, is, is uh, regulating it more, more rigidly? And in particular, that was up until recently, was only allowed... Uh, on the uh, uh, native uh, properties, what what crosses that line between just ordinary gaming and I suppose it? Well, okay, let's start with this. Is it all regulated? Even the simple things that we think of? It depends on what you're talking about. You know, mm-hmm. if you're talking about uh, Indian gaming, mm-hmm. or are you talking about state gaming? 
Mm-hmm. The casinos that you have around here, uh, the one in Lincoln, the one in Grand Island, and I'm not sure where the other ones would be, those are all state, would be state-operated casinos. They'd mm-hmm. be under the control of the state. Gotcha. So the so with these uh, with the gaming that t- takes place on native lands, then how much? Uh, well, it's okay. So it's their nation. How much can we uh, can you as a federal agent then involve yourself in in that process? Uh, how how much how how active are you in monitoring and investigating uh, those the the Indian gaming? We were quite, well, during my period, we were quite uh, active doing it. Uh, in the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act was started in 1988, which gave the National Indian Gaming Commission the ability to regulate Indian gambling on Indian land. Mm. Then you, you have to look at several different uh, Uh, differences between um, you have a class three casino on Indian land, mm-hmm. which is uh, pretty much casino style games, blackjack, poker, slot machines, uh, pie gal, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That is regulated by the, by the uh, Indian tribe itself, and that is also regulated by the National Indian Gaming Commission. Mm. But in order to have Indian gaming, a casino on State property, they have to enter into a compact with the state that the like like Nebraska. Mm-hmm. So, from what I understand, when I was working, since Nebraska now has casino style gaming, they will be able to the tribes will be able to become a, a full fledged casino because Nebraska has everything. Gotcha. But they'll have to have a, a compact negotiated with the state. One of the other things, the land has to be land and trust prior to a certain year. Mm-hmm. What does that mean, land and trust? That it, it comes off the tax rolls. Oh, okay. So they're, the, the, the county, the state, or whatever will not be getting any property taxes from that land because it's in trust. Gotcha. Uh, now, there was talk about uh, one of the selling points for this of having now not just uh, uh, casinos on uh, native lands, but also having this one in Lincoln and in, in Grand Island, I think one in Omaha or whatever. Uh, there was talk about how much money this is going to bring in to the, the tax roll. Uh, is that, I mean, when you're talking about a $39 billion industry, I guess there's that's probably a fairly accurate thing, isn't it, that money is going to come into these communities? Be, or how does that work? No, that's not correct. Okay. The, uh, the money that is received from the Indian casinos goes to the tribe. Okay. And they do pay taxes. They pay the payroll taxes and the people pay their federal income tax and all that stuff. But more than likely, the state does not get any type of that Indian gaming because the tribe is a sovereign nation. So is the state. And you can't really pass that money back and forth. Mm. So... Now, a lot of sometimes the state attempts to um, negotiate with the tribe to uh, to get some of that money, and whatever negotiations for the compact has to be approved by the Secretary of Interior, mm. and it probably won't be approved. Mm. 
And then who the Secretary of the Interior, then are those guidelines that they set, are they reviewed by the Congress or reviewed by, or is it pretty much just it's the Secretary of Interior is, is fairly independent in making those uh, judgments? Congress doesn't get involved. Hmm. Uh, the Secretary of Interior and her staff will look at the stuff, the National Indian Gaming Commission, that commission is composed of a presidential appointee as a chairman and two associate commissioners appointed by the Secretary of Interior. Mm. They go back and forth approving the uh, the compacts and, and any type of uh, agreements that they have. Mm. Back, back to the money thing. Okay, one of the talking points was very clearly in my mind when we were voting on this was, hey, keep the money in Nebraska. And uh, so that you know, don't go to, you know, Council Bluffs or other places. If we have the casinos here, then the money's going to stay in Nebraska. But, and which is true in terms of payroll taxes and, and the kind of ordinary taxes that businesses pay. But, uh, but what I'm hearing you say is that the whole keep the money in Nebraska isn't as, uh, isn't as big a deal maybe as it seemed to be in the promotion of this. Is, am I reading that wrong? I'm not sure how you're reading it because I have trouble with it also. Um, according to the the tribe has made an agreement in the state, and the horsemen were associated with this, to have the uh, Ho-Chunk Nation um, agency or whatever they call their, their uh, business arm. They, they're the ones that were hired to set up this casino. Hmm. They're the ones that obtained the financing, I think $720 million, I heard that somewhere. Wow. And it's up to uh, the horsemen, in my opinion, or what I understand, the horsemen will be responsible through casino funds to go ahead and pay that loan off. Mm. So that money is going to the Ho-Chunk Development Nation. Mm. Um not sure about what else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think it's all in law about how much the, uh, the casino has to give the state in order for the, uh, what is the property tax relief. Gotcha. Gotcha. There, um, so which ones then, now we've, we're talking about the three that have been added, but there have been two that have been in Nebraska. The ones actually on native lands have been there for, I don't know, what, Quite a while. Which? What are the other uh, casinos in Nebraska then that are on native native land? The one I, I know of is the Santee Tribe up in Niobrara. Mm. People will go in there and they will look at the machines and they say, "Well, this is a casino." Mm. Well, in reality, it, it's it's like a it's not. Mm. The machines that were in there or are in there when I was still there are considered what they call a class two device, which is a facsimile of a pull tab machine mm. so when that machine you put your money in the machine you'd be getting the same thing on the reels as you would if you had a full t- you had a pull tab handed to you mm. so that's a class two device class two gaming is reg- is org- um, just regulated by the national Indian gaming commission and primarily by the tribe itself mm. Now, uh, Winnebago, Omaha, and who's the other one? Was, it, was there a Ponca or uh, Santee? Okay. The Santee's up in the bear. But gotcha. anyway, the ones mm-hmm. uh, that have their 
tribal headquarters in Nebraska mm-hmm. actually have their casinos in Iowa. Okay. So that has nothing to do with what's going on over yeah. here. Yeah. We're going to take another break, and then we come back. I'm gonna, we were talking about Class 3, Class 2, and, and, and I think uh, uh, I want a little bit more definition on that. And then, and then specifically, uh, again, talking a little bit more about, because uh, you're, uh, you're in law enforcement, and that specific question, because I'm, I'm always interested, I was interested to hear how the sheriff answered it, I'd be interested to hear how you answer it in terms of, of uh, what kind of, based on your experience, what kind of impact does a casino have in a community? Sounds good. All right, we'll, we'll uh, take another break. We'll be right back talking with John Peterson. Glad to have you along. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday on 1499.3. KLIN. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns. 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling right along on a Friendly Fire Saturday, talking with John Peterson. He's the former director of enforcement for National Indian Gaming and that commission. Uh, we were talking before the break. So you, you mentioned like class three, like that's that's the real casino stuff that we think of when we think of a casino. Uh, right. Well, what does that include? The class three, that designation primarily is only for the reservations. Okay. The, the casinos you're going to have uh, out there by where you live, that'll just be a regular casino. Okay. And what are the and what's, what's the gaming then that, that is a part of the class three designation? Oh, your your blackjack, your poker, your sports betting, your slot machines, anything in that casino would be uh, class uh, be. Casino style gaming. Gotcha. Is there such a thing as class one uh, gaming? Or yeah, there is. It's it's primarily uh, on the on what is on the Indian reservation only, and that's it's been described as general games normally played by the tribes. Whatever mm. you know, like the stick and a ball or whatever. Those gotcha. are uh, those are the class one. Class two gaming on the on the reservation is primarily pull tabs in uh, bingo, mm. and then you jump up into class three, which is true casino gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, bingo—you always hear about you know churches playing bingo and things like that. Is that is that different? Is that this? That's not the. That's uh, that's not the same as what you're going to do in a casino. I'm assuming, or is it? It is. It is. Yeah, they they have regular bingo games like they do, um, you know, anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And they have big jackpots and. All right, but uh, does that, does that get regulated too? Then. That is mainly regulated on on my side. Yeah. Yeah, that's regulated by the tribe, and and we look we were watching over it a little bit. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so uh, one of the questions that I had asked again, and I've asked uh, different law enforcement people, and, and in the past it seemed like I would talk to them and say, "Hey, what's the?" And I know it was, by the way, it was a talking point also in the in the the, the statewide votes that had gone on, and and uh, and uh, and until it until it recently passed, it was one of the talking points that, "Hey, you know, there are hidden costs to the community, there are hidden uh, social costs, and so forth," and. And so, for, so that's why I've asked law, law enforcement people, you know, hey, do you do you expect this to change things, uh, to, for there to be social costs and things like that in this community? And the and and in the past, I tended to get a little bit, well, there probably will be. And most recently, again, it was like, well, I'm not so sure there will be. Uh, based on your experience and seeing this from coast to coast in these uh, in your role. Uh, 
again, I'm not sure there is a answer to this, but how do you react to that? What do you what would you say about hidden costs or social costs of of gaming? My opinion from what I saw for 20 years, there will be some costs involved, mm-hmm. uh, especially gaming or gambling, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, is more like a uh, an activity where you're having a social activity where you're having fun. Mm-hmm. When you look around at the casinos, these big casinos, you know, over in Omaha, out in California, up in the Twin Cities, well, there's one th- way to look at it. How do you think they built those casinos? Because it wasn't the fact that they lost. It was the fact that they're winning. Yeah. It is a cash-intensive business. So saying that again, uh, when I first went to Deadwood, uh, the figures that people put out, I think, all depend on what they want the figures to say. Mm. For instance, if you have one DUI uh, in a certain area in Gaming comes in, and you have two. Well, that could be a 100% increase. It yeah. all depends on how they make those figures go. That's strictly yeah. my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And you're adding people in the mix. Um, you're adding more employees. It, like I said, there's it, it's cash. Your, your, your tables are primarily all cash. Your, your, your um Slot machines are probably what they call ticket in, ticket out, or or maybe even cash. Mm. You have people counting all that money. Uh, people think that they can they can win. They go out and they pay five hundred dollars playing a slot machine to win a fifty dollar jackpot. I mm. seen that. Yeah. People called me up and said um, when I was in the Twin Cities, I stop every night after uh, after work to. Uh, Play the slots. Everybody around me is winning except me. Hmm. Well, I was in a bad mood that day, and I. You said, "What do you think?" I said, "I think you're luckless and probably shouldn't play anymore." <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I. Yeah. I think you're going to see a change. Yeah. In my mind, I don't think there's a way that you won't see a change. But how much of it is, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know who's going to be handling the security. Some state casinos they have. Uh, State troopers in like Connecticut, they have state troopers in there. I'm not sure how the ones around here are going to be, mm. but I I do see you're going to have some. Yeah, yeah. There uh, also another thing that has been talked about is the level of security in these places in terms of cameras, and uh, and uh, uh, whatever armed men and so forth that are that are watching over these places. Do you think that most, again, is, that it's in the best interest of the casino to be? Uh, super secure, not only for their own safety, but for the safety of the customers? Oh, I think that's 100%. They have, they have to be the most regulated and the most secure because they have all those people out there and all those employees. Uh, we, uh, as agents in South Dakota, we are armed, and uh, I always hoped that I would never get into a gunfight in a casino because you're you know, you don't know where you're going to be shooting, so you, you probably couldn't shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have very, very normally you have very good um, surveillance systems. Mm-hmm. I always told the people that the surveillance system has to be the best trained of anybody in the casino. They have to know everything because they're looking for something that just doesn't cl- look quite right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have they have well regulations. The slot machines are well regulated. Uh, when I was in, they would everything in the machine that's uh, 
has the game in mind is is all sealed in. Mm. A lot of stuff now is behind the house, and that's all all tested and everything. Mm. So that's uh, because it's no secret that again, it's like you said, they're obviously they're building facilities and they're they're making money. So the house is not going to be designed to to lose. It's they're gonna they're gonna make money. But is a part of the regulation then like the the ratios of payouts and those kinds of things? Uh, how does that work? Somewhere in state law, they will have that the machines have to pay out between such and such and such and such uh, amount. And uh, you and I talked the other day, like on a slot machine, they'll say that the payout is 98%. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't mean it's going to pay out 98% of the time. It means 98% over the life of the machine and the millions and millions of pulls, it will reach that theoretical payout of 98%. Mm. So... So their their actual profit is closer to something like a two percent or something like that, yeah. and that's and that's regulated, mm-hmm. and it's and it's it's impossible to tinker with. Nearly impossible. You're nearly impossible to tinker yeah. with, um, but you know I've had people call up and talk about the machines. They're 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 tinkering with the machines when you open up at night, and they're twisting mm-hmm. them with the screwdriver. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah. They can't get into them. Uh, and the only, I think the place it would open up more primarily on the inside would be your table games Mm. because that's primarily all cash. Gotcha. Gotcha. You could, you could have a dealer in cahoots with somebody sitting at the table. Mm. So you're, you're overseeing, you know, these areas from coast to coast and you get a call and you got to make a trip out to the field. Uh, What would be the most common kind of concern that warranted a visit from you? I mean, there might be any number of reasons, but, but what would be closer to the top of, of why, okay, I got to actually, I got to put boots on the ground? Primarily uh, a personnel issue, or they had a, one of the casinos had a theft that would go out. Uh, the theft primarily be investigated by the FBI or Secret Service or whatever, but we would work closely with them. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. And how many? How common was that? That, that was to, common all, a lot of times. A lot of travel. A lot of travel. All right. Okay, one more break. Then we're going to come back. We're going to do a shameless plug. Okay. And then we'll wrap this thing up. Hey, glad to have you along. Having a conversation here with John Peterson today. He uh, is the former director of enforcement for National Indian Gaming Commission. And uh, uh, I, I'm learning a ton today. I hope you guys are too. It's uh, great to have you along on a friendly fire Saturday here on 1499.3 KLIN. Bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Welcome back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday talking with John Peterson here today about uh, uh, gaming. And, John, however, we always do, no matter who the guest is, we always do a shameless plug. So uh, if you, I think you might have a couple of things to plug. I say plug away. Okay. I've uh, been involved with FoodNet at Zion for about the past 9, 10 years. I think people that uh, ought to get a little, get involved in that. Yeah. It's a good good thing. And then also uh, Nebraska Community Blood Bank. If mm. you're not voting, if you're not donating, you ought to think about doing it. Yes. It's not that hard, is it? No, no, not at all. What type are you? O positive. O, is that the universal donor? Yeah. There you go. My dad was the universal donor. Mm. I'm A negative. Oh. So uh, 
I don't think of myself as a negative person, but I guess I am. <laughs> the, uh, that's, and by the way, if you want to learn more about Foodnet Lincoln, I bring this up from time to time, foodnetlincoln.org. Foodnetlincoln.org, and you'll get the history of it and all the different sites that are out there. Who knows? If you come to uh, Zion, you might see John, you might see me. Yeah. So that's a good thing. And, uh, and we were talking about giving blood. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a regular donor myself. And uh, I, just, I just finished 18 gallons and working on my 19th. So uh, uh, John and I heartily commend both of those things uh, mm. to you. All right, uh, last segment here, kind of tying up loose ends about uh, uh, gaming and your job. Um, there, as it relates to uh, uh, Nebraska in particular, again, we've got, so, so now we're, we're multiplying, almost doubling the, the amount of, of gambling that's coming in the state because it's now it's not just on native lands, but it's also in these other lands that are now uh, in trust. To the to the uh, Ho Chunk uh, uh, Commission or to no no what what I was saying is that in order to uh, say for instance a tribe that has a casino here a class two casino mm-hmm. could go ahead and petition to the state for a compact ah. and change everything to a class three casino gotcha and so, do you what do you think that'll happen my opinion my opinion only I said yeah I think it does. And, I mean, it wouldn't make much sense not to happen, right? right? Uh, there, uh, uh, once we've opened the doors, then then why not do it? Is there a saturation point? I mean, and I, I don't know if this is again a part of your your bailiwick or not, but it seems to me like, okay, when I was growing up, you went to Las Vegas or you know there was a Atlantic City or whatever, and, and now it's like you know there's gaming around every corner. At what point does does the market just become saturated, or is that just kind of a unknowable question well time will tell i guess <laughs> yeah uh you know with the gaming over in in uh omaha and in up uh into iowa and stuff uh the way i look at it it could be just like if you had a a good sized box store and mm-hmm. that was taking all the all the people and then another one comes in and eventually, those two are going to equal out. Mm. But uh, I think that might happen here. But uh, mm-hmm. it, it's all a business of what you can offer to the person. Yeah. And that's where we, and speaking of which, uh, every, every place that's offering gaming is, it isn't just the gaming, it's also the perks, right? It's the hotel, it's the, the, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the food, it's all those kind of things together. Uh, is that a part of, of federal regulation, or is that just strictly up to the local, whoever the the group is that owns the casino, as to what other kind of uh, attractions uh, that are also a part of that? In uh, in the area I was involved in, that is strictly up to the tribes. And they can just do whatever they want to do. But they'll end up having contracts and stuff with the vendors and things like that. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Casinos are one of the most regulated industries around mm. now I'm not saying stuff doesn't happen yeah yeah they're speaking of which then so i've always heard okay if they they've got they're surveilling people they're watching people who are playing the games and so forth do they have liberty just to for any reason say hey you know we're you look suspicious to us you need to leave or in particular they talk about people counting cards and i don't know how that's how could that be illegal if you have a good memory and you're trying to remember what's been laid in front of you? But 
do they do they have that kind of flexibility just to say, hey, uh, you know, we we you don't look right, and we want you to leave? It would take a lot to have somebody uh, removed from the casino, but a lot of that is handled through the surveillance room, mm-hmm. and there's systems involved or you know uh, in play that they can go ahead and figure out if the guy's counting cards or not. Mm-hmm. And is that technically illegal or just it's just I'm not sure anymore what it is. So. <laughs> it always seemed odd that that could be that if you have a good memory that or if you're a rain man, you know, the like the movie that you could count cards and that that would they would say wait wait wait, wait you can't do that unless you're doing something like mechanical. Sometimes you know there has been been uh, instances where people have a uh Two people were involved at the table giving each other signs, or they could have oh. some type of device on them, and it's being monitored outside the casino. Gotcha. And those Now, those could be arrested. Now, as far as the counting part, I'm, I've really never figured that one out. Yeah, yeah. That, it's, okay, if you're good, I say if you're good enough to do that, if your brain works that hard, then go ahead and do it. So if they're... So the, the, the dovetailing with local law enforcement then, if you've, uh, you know, the casino is taking care of its, uh, its day-to-day business, at what point then, at, at what point do local or federal or officials get, is it only when you're called in? I know you're regulating, so you're going whenever you want to go, mm-hmm. but, uh, but typically uh, what kind of events are going to be the kind of events that they, that they say, hey, we need... We need your men on the on the field. Well, I can't tell you exactly, but I know that the casino probably has already contacted you know, the sheriff's office or whoever has jurisdiction in that area or NSP or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and they have plans in, in place what they need to call. You know, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, it's a, it's a big business, so in case you have somebody comes in and hit the place, mm-hmm. you have to have procedures in place, just like. Uh, if a person has a gambling problem, mm. they uh, the tr- I know at least on the federal side, the casinos had to have programs in place where that person could go for help. Yes. Now we were talking about that a little bit. So they is there a particular percentage they have to set aside for to help people with gambling problems, or is that is that voluntary? Is that mandated? No, I believe it's mandated. Mandated. And it would be based on some percentage of their gross or net what, or something whatever like that. they uh, it'd be in the in the contract in the contract yeah 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 do those uh, I mean it seems it's almost like a you know a bar you know sending people to AA or something you know it's like we're selling the drinks but if we think you have a problem we're going to send you to AA it it seems it, it makes me wonder if they have have their full heart in it but if they but it really doesn't make any difference right they give the money or they don't however it is it depends on if the person wants to go yeah uh, so you know however they come up with that one i don't know yeah, yeah i mean you, you can't make them go right unless they unless they're under some kind of a legal requirement now if they from what i understand what i heard when i was still working if the person came to them mm and said, I need help, go ahead and bar me from the casino. Mm. I think they would do it. Mm-hmm. Now, if the family would come, mm. in lieu of the person coming, mm. I'm not sure if that would work or not. I mm. don't think it would because the person is an adult. Gotcha. And they can't make that decision for them. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. The uh, do you plan on going to the casino, the the uh, local casino, just to see what's going on out of professional curiosity, or to or anything? Does that interest you at all? Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. So take me with you because yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really want a game, but I'd love to hear uh, as we walk through your observations about that. Do they let people just stand around and? Oh yeah, yeah. They can't stop that. They can't stop that. And then you, if you look up, you'll see the domes and stuff where the cameras are. And yeah. you're looking around, you're gawking. That's not a big deal. But if you really spend a lot of time watching it, they might come and say, what are you doing? Yes, yes. And I would just say, I'm with John, and he has cred, so leave us alone. That is, that's, what, that's what I'd say. Uh, I'd say, I've never seen this guy before in my life. Yeah, that's a good point. I, oh, boy. All right, I'm going to double think that strategy here. But, uh, hey, thank you for taking time to be here in studio with me today. I sure do appreciate it. Well, uh, I was going to tell you this. Uh, when I was in South Dakota, I was on public television. Oh. When, I was, when I came here, I was on a big billboard advertising uh, cycling at LifePoint. There you go. And now I'm on the radio show with you, and oh. this is like uh, my bucket list. Oh, man. That's... It's complete. <laughs> well... I am so pleased to complete that bucket list, and uh, uh, always, always a pleasure to talk, and uh, and a special pleasure today. Thanks for being here. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, you bet. That's John Peterson, and uh, just so glad to have his expertise today, and glad to have you along as well. It's going to be a great day out there. Snow's melting. Get outside and enjoy the day, uh, and I leave you saying, as I always do, to think about it and talk about it. We'll see you next week.